Now, as a church this year, our focus is really going to be on the spiritual and material outpouring that we're expecting God to release upon us. Amen. The word of the Lord for us as a congregation, as a body, is that there's going to be an outpouring of both spiritual and material things. And several people already started sharing testimonies with us of, of the outpouring that they're beginning to experience in their lives. It's amazing to see what God has be, uh, begun to release amongst us. Uh, so as a church, we're going to really focus on this, especially on the spiritual aspect of it, the spiritual outpouring. So what I want to say here as we begin is that through the course of this year, you will find that from the pulpit, the messages are going to be one-sided, meaning they're going to be really focused on spiritual dimensions, on spiritual things. So if you come here Sunday after Sunday, you're going to be hearing a lot about spiritual things, about how we can move up in the Spirit, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we're doing that on, a, on purpose because this year as a church, we are preparing ourselves for a greater spiritual pouring than what we've ever experienced as individuals and as a body. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to look at the church ministry as a whole. Because if you look at only what comes from the pulpit on these Sunday mornings this year, you'll feel that it's very, very one-sided. He's always talking about spiritual things and so on. And we're doing that on purpose because of where we're going. But if you look at the church as a whole, uh, you look at the marriage enrichment ministry, the equipping workplace ministry, the, uh, the youth ministry, the, uh, uh, the women's, uh, uh, you'll find that these ministries will, begin, will emphasize our life application. They'll emphasize things on how to live the Bible in practical everyday life. So if you look at the church as a whole, you'll find that we're very balanced. Amen? But if you only just evaluate, if you just look at the church pulpit this year, it's going to be a lot of focus on spiritual things because of the direction we're going. So I want to encourage you just to receive through all the different avenues of ministry that's coming to you uh, through the course of this year. Amen? So having said that, this morning I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know we were supposed to have a separate service later at 1 o'clock on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and kind of preparing myself for it. And then suddenly I just felt that, you know, uh, every time we have a separate service, not too many people come for it. So let me get you when you're here. <laughs> Amen. So since everyone is here, this main service, I'm going to just talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this main service so we get everybody in it. Amen. So nobody can escape. I'm not just joking. Uh, so I thought we'd just do it in the main service so that, because it's so important for all of us, although we have these separate services on an ongoing basis, uh, you know, just a handful of people usually stay back uh, to be ministered to in that, uh, along those lines. So uh, this morning we just do it right here in the main service. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for people. Just uh, move on into new levels uh, in the Spirit. You know, I, I realize that many of us here already have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, we already are, are flowing in some dimension of the Spirit. But the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 34, the Bible tells us that uh, talking about Jesus, He whom God has sent speaks the words of God because God does not give the Spirit by measure to Him. Talking about Jesus in John 3, verse 34. God does not give the Spirit by measure. Meaning, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Now, you and I, as believers, we have the Spirit with 
measure. However, that's an encouragement to us, meaning we should press in to say, God, I want greater measures of your spirit upon my life. Now, Jesus has a spirit without measure. Wonderful. But you and I must press in and say, God, I want a greater measure of the Holy Spirit on my life. Press in for more. God is not going to get angry with you and me. To ask, when we ask Him for more, Lord, I want a greater measure than what I've ever carried, than what I've ever experienced. Lord, I want pour out your Spirit upon me even more. Amen. So I want to encourage us to do that. And plus, you know, some of us need an oil change. Oh, it's kind of gotten stale. You know, we about the soul goes praying tongues. Say, let's pray in tongues. It's like, man, I've been doing this. There's no fire. The fire is gone. It's like, man, it's time for an oil change. And the Bible, it's not that the Holy Spirit needs to be changed. We need to be changed. Because Psalm 92, verse 10 says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Amen. So we need some fresh oil this morning. So those of us who may have already been baptized, Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, wonderful. Hey, this morning, press into a greater measure of the Holy Spirit upon your life. This morning, go in and say, God, I need a fresh anointing, some freshness on my life, a fresh outpouring of your Spirit. I want to be anointed with fresh oil this morning. Amen. And, uh, you know, for all of us, we, we must understand that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. He's our comforter. He's our helper all the time. Not just two hours Sunday morning, you're in the, chair, in the house of God, oh, I'm going to feel the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. The Spirit of God is with you 24 hours a day. In your office, in your school, in your college, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is with you. And we must learn to draw out from the Spirit of God more and more. Amen. Draw out from the Spirit of God more and more. Draw from Him. So I want to encourage us to move into that realm where, uh, where in your, in your, you're in the office, you've got some decisions to make. You, you know, you take a Holy Spirit break. You just go, Holy Spirit of God, I need some wisdom in this area. Show me what to do. can give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge right there in the office. I mean, think about this in the Bible. We see this throughout in the Bible. I'll just give you some examples. Think about Joseph, a man uh, who eventually became the prime minister of Egypt. And the, and the Bible says, I think it's Genesis chapter 40, verse 31. It's, you know, Pharaoh speaking of Joseph. He says, can we find a man who's so smart? It's a modern version. Can we find a man who's so prudent? Because he has the spirit in him, there is no one who is as smart, as prudent as him. The Holy Spirit did this in the life of Joseph, made him so prudent, so wise, that he was promoted to being the prime minister. Same thing for Daniel. Daniel chapter 5, verse 14. King, the king says, he says, I have heard that the Spirit of God is in you, therefore light, wisdom, and understanding is found in you. I've heard the Spirit of God is in you, therefore you are a bright person. Now we talk about that in our language. You say, you know, man, that per- he's a bright person. He's a bright guy. Now, Daniel was a bright guy. Why? He says, I've heard that the Spirit of God is in you, therefore light. Not the tube light, but the light of the Holy Spirit. You're a bright person because the Holy Spirit has made you bright. And therefore he was elevated and made the, one of the president, one of the prime ministers in that land. The Holy Spirit had did that. Think about Bezalel in Exodus 31st chapter, verses 1 to 5. It talks about a man named Bezalel. God says, I have filled him with, with my spirit 
to make him skillful in all manner of workmanship, craftsmanship. The Holy Spirit gave him the ability to, in artistic works, in, craft, in doing crafts and, and all those things that he did with his hands. Where did this come from? From the Holy Spirit. Some of us could be here this morning doing work where you know, we are in the artistic and the art area and the Holy Spirit can impart that to you. Amen. Think about David. He was a shepherd boy. He didn't go to NID. And yet, in 1 Chronicles 29, the Bible says that David, a shepherd boy, designed Solomon's temple. And he said, I have designed this by the hand of the Lord upon me. Meaning the Holy Spirit helped me come up with this design for this temple. And he gives it to Solomon and says, Solomon, go build it. A shepherd boy designing a massive temple by the Holy Spirit, he said. So what I'm trying to impress on us this morning is that the Spirit of God is, is, at, is with us and can en enable us, empower us in just all the things we're called to do in everyday life, outside, in the world. Amen. It's just that we are not tapping into re that realm. We're not tapping into more of the Spirit of God in our day-to-day situations in life, in the work that we need to do, in, in, in our job, career, profession, and everything we need to do, tap into the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. You can give me the wisdom. You can give me the business acumen. You can give me the scientific knowledge. You can give me the engineering skill. You can give me the grace to teach, whatever. You can give it to me. I'm drawing from you, Spirit of God. Amen. So we must press into more of the Spirit of God in our lives. He's with us all the time. So with that encouragement, let me just zero in and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? Now many of you may have heard this, but it's okay. It's a reminder. But we're really focusing on those of us who have not yet been brought into that experience. We want to bring you into that experience this morning. So that's why we're doing this. You know, in Matthew, the third chapter, the 11th verse, John the Baptist introducing the ministry of Jesus. He said, he who comes after me is greater than I. I'm not even worthy to unloose uh, his sandals, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew 3.11, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus, one of his missions that he was going to do was, he was going to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said that. But if you look at the earthly ministry of Jesus in, Matthew, in, the, in the Gospels, he never baptized anybody in the Holy Spirit while he was ministering on earth. He did it. He did speak about the Holy Spirit, but he never baptized anybody in the Holy Spirit. Now, what did he tell us about the Holy Spirit? In John 4, 14, for instance, Jesus said, you know, he who, uh, he, he who drinks of the water that I give him shall be in him a spring bubbling up, a springing up to eternal life. So he said, if you believe in me, you drink of the water I give you, you'll have a spring inside you. So if you're a believer, just put your hand on yourself and say, I got a spring. Just jump a little bit on your chair and say, I got a spring. You have a spring inside you. What is it? It's the, 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 the work of the Spirit giving you eternal life. But in chapter 7 of John, John 7, verses 37 to 39, the Bible says, on that great day, the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he said, Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. 
So now he's talking about rivers. In John 4, he talked about a spring. Now he's talking about rivers of living water. And then he continues in verse 39. He says, it says, but this spake he, or this he spoke about the Holy Spirit, which those who believe in him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Verse 39. So this water really is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying those who believe in me out of their belly, some of us have, <laughs> I, I, you were imagining it, not me. <laughs> All right. So we've got big rivers. <laughs> See, I was talking of thinking about it in the spiritual. You were thinking about it in the natural. <laughs> All right, back to the subject. Uh, he said, you know, there'll be rivers of living water flowing. And what was he talking about? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. So this water, this spring inside us and this river going out of us, water is representing the Holy Spirit. The spring giving us eternal life, rivers flowing out of us. The volume is different, the purpose is different. One is to give you eternal life, one is to flow out of you to bless other people around you. Then in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus talked to us more about the Holy Spirit. He said he is the comforter. When he comes, he will be your comforter. He will comfort you. He will teach you all things. He will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. So he talked a lot about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will do when he comes. And Jesus said, I will not leave you orphan, or I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So the Holy Spirit coming to us is really as good as Jesus being with us today. Amen. Because he said, I will not leave you orphans, I'll come to you. And right then he said, I will send the Spirit. John 16, 13 to 15. And then, you know, after his death, his burial, his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples in John the 20th chapter, verse 21, 22, John 20, 21, 22. Chapter 20, verses 21, 22. He appears to his disciples. They're in a room, closed room. They're all kind of mourning, wondering what happened to Jesus. And suddenly he comes in. And he, the Bible says, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And right after that, he tells them. And I'm moving to Luke, the 24th chapter, verse 47, 48, 49. He tells them, you are witnesses of these things. But I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from above. Now, excuse me, Jesus, you just breathed on them and you said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now you're telling them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. So what's the difference? Well, when he breathed on them, that was their born-again experience. They received the spirit of sonship. When God breathes, he imparts. At that moment... The disciples, the people there, were born again by the Spirit. And yet he told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because there is something more coming. You're going to be endured with power from above. And you're going to be my witness. So after he showed himself alive for about 40 days, now we move to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 5. Jesus says, you know, you were baptized by John, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit a few days from now, Acts 1 verse 5. So he's telling them, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit a few days from now. So what's going to happen to you a few days from now is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And then he tells them the purpose of that in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power to be a witness for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. So what is this Baptist Holy Spirit? It's receiving power to be a witness. Now they were already born again in chapter 20 of John. When he said receive the Holy Spirit, they are already born again. But he says wait till the day of Pentecost. Because you're going to be a Baptist Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power to be a witness. What kind of power are we talking about? We're not talking about power to be a better speaker. We're not talking about power to be more eloquent in your preaching. We're talking about dunamis power. Acts 1.8 talks about power. You so say what power? The Greek word is dunamis. It's the same word that's used in Luke 6.19 when it says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, touch Jesus, because dunamis went out of him and healed them all. And Jesus says, You will receive dunamis. So this power that we're talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the miracle-working, healing, delivering power of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about power to just be a great eloquent preacher or teacher or that kind of power. Because that even the natural man can do. You know, yesterday I had to speak at Clarence uh, School for the graduation service. And, you know, I went up there preaching all after on the way home. Amy says, you know, I want to tell you an honest fact. The school's captain spoke better than you. Yeah. You know, just to let you know that power doesn't necessarily make you eloquent. Amen. <laughs> you know, anyway, I did my best to God be the glory. <laughs> anyway. All right, so the power we're talking about is this. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to work signs, wonders, and miracles. Not just to be, uh, you know, great preachers and so on. It's the miracle working power of God. Jesus said, you will receive this power that will make you witness. So really, we are supposed to be witnesses by a demonstration of that power. Now we say this, you know, we ask the question, so why aren't we seeing more of the demonstration of the power of God? Why aren't we seeing more miracles and healings? And why aren't we seeing more signs and wonders? It's because we are still learning how to plug into that power and how to release that power. Think about it in the natural. You know, um, hydroelectric power, nuclear power, whatever forms of power, they always existed from the time of creation. But it wasn't until, you know, a few hundred years ago or less than that, that we understood their existence and learned how to tap into it and learn how to put it to good use. Same thing in the, in the spiritual. The power of the Holy Spirit is always here and available for the people of God. But we are just learning to tap into it. But the good news is that once we learn, we're going to rise up to a level where we can demonstrate more power than the power demonstrated by the early church in the book of Acts. Because that's God's plan and design. Amen. And we are in that journey, going up there to seek more and more demonstrations of the power of God. So, nevertheless, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to bring power to every believer to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So what happens? Uh, the, the disciples city seated there in the upper room. Uh, you know, when Jesus made the promise, there were 500, of, 500 people listening to Jesus. You know, he was on the Mount of uh, Olives, going to be raised up. 500 of them listening to Jesus saying, tarry in Jerusalem, you're going to receive power. Some of them were able to stay through, but by the time the day of Pentecost came, there were only 120 left. Others went back to fishing, whatever they're doing. But these 120 who stayed, they received the power. 
Because on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, the Spirit of God came like a sound of rushing, mighty wind, the cloven tongues of fire, descending on people, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They received power to be witnesses. And one of the things that happened was when the gusher burst out, out of, along with it came heavenly languages. The Bible says they all began to speak that other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this began to spread. As more believers uh, came to the Lord, they prayed for them, people began to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are five recorded instances in the book of Acts on people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the second recorded instance in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 8. When Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches Jesus to them. The Bible says Samaria, the people received the word of God. They were saved. Uh, they believed the message. They were saved. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the news went back to Jerusalem. Now in those days, news took time to travel. It went back to Jerusalem. And then Peter and John came from Jerusalem to Samaria and prayed for these believers to be filled with the Spirit. A clear indication once again that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from salvation. Because the disciples, Jesus breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit in John 20. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Samaria, they were saved, baptized in, the, in, in, in water. They were saved. But maybe some days later, we don't know how many days, maybe two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I don't know. However long the message took for the message to go to Jerusalem and for the believers to travel, uh, John Peter and John to travel from Jerusalem to Samaria. That much time they waited before they came and they prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it says they were filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say in Acts 8 that they spoke in tongues, but something supernatural happened because a man named Simon, the sorcerer, he practiced black magic or witchcraft. He offered Peter and he said, Peter, I'll give you money. Give me this power and whomever I lay hands, they may also receive the Holy Spirit. So obviously something happens. Otherwise he would not have offered money. Acts 9 is, is the next third instance when somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, he has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's been a believer for three days, blinded, believing in Jesus Praying to the Lord. Three days later, Ananias comes and says, the Ananias comes and says, Brother Saul. So he's a believer. And says, The Lord who appeared to you has sent me to pray for you that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Now he was a believer for three days, but he still was prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And we know that Paul spoke in tongues because he's the one who wrote the first Corinthians 14 chapter, and he said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Then Acts 10. Is a fourth recorded instance when Peter is in the house of Cornelius, Acts 10, 44 to 48. Uh, he's in the house of Cornelius, the Gentile crowd. He's speaking to them about Jesus. And while he is still preaching, the Holy Spirit comes on them. Wonderful thing happens. They are both saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. So this teaches us that you don't have to tarry for 20 years to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Paul waited three days. These believers in... Uh, um, in Cornelius' house, they waited less than three seconds. Because they were saved and baptized Holy Spirit at the same time. And then they are baptized in water. So again, water baptism is not a prerequisite to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the last recorded instance in the book of Acts, 30 years from the, from the time the church was born, was in Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. Paul is going to the Ephesians. He meets a group of believers who are, uh, who are baptized by John the Baptist. So... All they knew, their theological experience or spiritual experience was limited to John the Baptist. They were 30 years behind time. 
So Paul has to update them and say, you know, since John began baptizing in Jordan, Jesus of Nazareth came, he died for our sins on the cross, he was buried, he rose up again. He updates them in, the, in, in spiritual understanding. They are baptized once again in the name of Jesus and Paul prays for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the point here is this, that if we go by this recorded experience of the early church, it was this, that although people made a decision and were born again, they were still prayed for to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing we can deduce, and other things we can deduce is you don't need to be baptized in water to be baptized in the Spirit. It can happen in either order. You don't have to wait for, for a long time, tatting, no, 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 uh, because the only time they tatted was in Acts 2. All the other times happened. God saved, God filled, God saved, God filled, God saved, God filled. So you don't have to tarry. And the other thing we can say is this, that when you're baptized Holy Ghost, one of the first things you do is usually is you start praying in tongues. This is the norm. Now God always has exceptions. Amen? Because just this morning, after our morning service, 8 o'clock service, one of the young men came and said, you know, um, uh, I, I'm struggling with this because I, I, I've prayed for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not praying in tongues, but I can prophesy. I'm seeing visions. I'm seeing dreams. Uh, does it mean I'm baptized or not? I said, you know, the norm is you pray in tongues, but there are all these exceptions. God's doing an exception in you, but it's okay. Go with it. You know, because he's been waiting to pray in tongues and not praying, but other things are happening. Prophecy is coming. And look. So the norm is when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're also not praying in tongues. It's the norm. But we can never put God in a box. Because every time you decide to put God in a box, he wants a bigger box. <laughs> Amen. So the norm is that when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you also start praying in tongues. Say, so, but why pray in tongues? One of the big things is that when you pray in tongues, there are several benefits of praying in tongues, but uh, I just kind of summarize them for us. You know, when we pray in tongues, we are praying in tongues of men or of angels. <laughs> tongues of men or of angels. It may be a t language that you have not learned. It could be an earthly language or a heavenly language. But a language that you've not learned. You didn't go to school to study it. It comes forth supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And you just begin to pray in tongues. So what happens when I pray in tongues? Many things happen. First of all, your prayer language knows no limits. Because when you pray with your understanding, whether in English or other, other known language, you only can pray about things you know about. But when you're praying in tongues, you can pray for things which the Holy Spirit knows about. And He knows all things. So immediately, in a moment, your prayer language is, has become limitless. You can pray by the knowledge of the Holy Spirit rather than your own knowledge. Secondly, when you pray in tongues, the Bible says you're praying mysteries. You're playing, praying, not playing. You're praying the divine mysteries of God. Things that eyes haven't seen, which ears haven't heard. So when you're praying, you say, God, I'm just praying for my future. God, I'm praying for the person I need to marry. What happens? You're praying, you know, you're praying the purposes of God for your marriage. God, I pray for my profession, my career. You're praying the purposes of God. Things which you don't know about, you're praying. You could be praying for things five years down the road right now because the Holy Spirit knows it. He knows that some prayer has to go in for that thing. You're praying the mysteries of God. You're praying the will of God on down on the earth because the Holy Spirit knows that will. Praying the mysteries of God. Other benefits is this, that your inner man is strengthened. 1 Corinthians 4, it says that, 14, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. He speaks in an unknown tongue, edifies himself. You're building up yourself. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says that you're building yourself up on your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. So you're making yourself strong on the inner man. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 says this, that, it, this, that speaking with stammering lips in another tongue is a rest and refreshing to the inner man. So you rest and refresh your inner man as you pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 says that you overcome your weaknesses by praying in the Spirit. 
It also teaches us, Romans 8, 26, 27 says that it, you pray according to the will of God when you're praying in the Spirit. So you can never go outside the will of God when you're praying in tongues. When you're praying in your own language, you're going to ask about all kinds of things. Lord, give me a square football. All kinds of wrong things. And, and it never happens. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying in the will of God. You can never violate the will of God. So many blessings of praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, we must understand when the Spirit of God comes, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, He brings nine gifts with Him. Not just one, nine. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 talks about the nine gifts. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, working in miracles. He brings these nine gifts with Him. So every believer has the potential to flow in all of the nine gifts. Amen. You and I can learn to flow in all of the nine gifts. So we're going to talk about these nine gifts in the next couple of weeks, next Sunday on. Now, traditionally, the big mistake we've made is we think the nine gifts operate when you're behind a wooden pulpit. And that's wrong. Very wrong. Because the gifts of the Spirit are not limited just to the Sunday morning two hours that we're in church. Now, we do have some of them happening, but it's not limited to it. The Holy Spirit is with us all day through, throughout the week, so you and I can learn to tap in, learn to flow in, learn to exercise these nine gifts out in the world where we spend most of our time. Amen. So in the office, you're having a problem. You pray and say, Lord, give me a word of wisdom. How to solve this problem? You're talking to somebody, asking you for counsel. Say, God, give me a word of wisdom. What can I, what is the right counsel to give this person? Or you have faced the problem. You know, you need word of wisdom. You need word of knowledge. You need gifts of healing. Whatever it is, you and I can learn to exercise, draw, tap into these gifts out in the world. Amen. So we must move into that dimension, move into that realm. We can begin to exercise these gifts out in the world on an ongoing basis, continual basis. But this morning, what we want to do is we want to help people take that first step saying, let's get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are probably several people here this morning, you received Jesus Christ in your life. You're born again, you've got a spring in you. We want to help you come in to the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that rivers of living water can flow out of your innermost being. Amen. And when this happens, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power, give you the power to be a witness he brings with him these nine gifts which just become channels through which the power can flow. And when this happens, the most common occurrences is you'll begin to speak with other tongues. Amen. That's a very important part of our spiritual life, of praying in other tongues. Can all believers pray in tongues? Of course, because Mark 16, 17 says, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will speak with new tongues. 1 Corinthians 28, 31 and 1 Corinthians 14, 1 both says, Covet only the best gifts. It's covered honestly, desire spiritual gifts. It's telling believers, desire spiritual gifts. You can desire to pray in tongues. Finished. And God will not tell you to desire something He's not, is, is unwilling to give you. So, just desire. Pray in tongues. Amen. So quickly, how do we do this? What we're going to do this morning is this. You know, it's the Lord Jesus who baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. We're just earthen vessels. We just lay hands and pray. But it's Jesus who's the baptizer. So we're going to pray for people here. And it's the Lord Jesus who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Two quick verses of Scripture. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says that Jesus said, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
So it's very simple. You just have to ask. Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. God, pour out your Spirit upon me. The Bible says God pour, is pouring out His Spirit in all flesh. So Lord, pour out your Spirit upon me this morning. Simply ask. You say, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, will I, will, will I get some other kind of Spirit? Don't be afraid. Jesus in that same passage in Luke 11, 11 to 13, He said, if you ask for bread, you won't get a stone. You ask for fi uh, fish, you won't get a snake. So if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll get the Holy. Don't be afraid. Secondly, Galatians 3 verse 14 says, we receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So it's a step of faith that you have to take. No, it's not something we can force you to do. Like I can't come to you and say, Jivesh, say Honda, 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 Honda. He says, no, I want Toyota. No. It's like, man, I can't do that. It's not something we force you to do. It's the work of God. Now, how does it happen? I don't know. We're just going to pray for you. It'll come. All you've got to do is receive by faith. We receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So what does it mean? It means, you know, some, you, it means that you might have to leave your mind aside because sometimes the biggest hindrance to faith is our mind. Our mind trying to reason, analyze, you know, where is it coming from? I feel it coming down from here, from my lower intestine. It's coming up through my spirit or through my heart. It is, I, I, I can feel it coming up. How is it happening? Uh, we try to figure it out. Forget trying to figure it out. Just take the step of faith. Speak it. Now I want to encourage all of us to spend a lot of time praying in tongues. In the morning, when you're spending your time in prayer, when you go for a walk, you go for your, when you're driving to work, whatever, just pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, keep praying in tongues. Strengthens your inner man, makes you strong, keeps you in, in tune with God. Sing in tongues if you wish. Sing in the Spirit if you can. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, those of you who prayed, maybe you didn't start praying in tongues, don't give up. Just go back to your room. God can meet you where you are. Just go back to your room, pray and say, Lord, I, I just really want to pray in tongues. And, and take that step of faith and those heavenly languages will come forth. Now, God does amazing things. Sometimes, you know, Amy's prayed for somebody on the phone. And over the phone, the other person started praying in tongues. Some, this guy went up on the rooftop and he just said, Lord, baptize the Holy Ghost on his rooftop. Just start praying in tongues. Our own dear Pastor Jacob, he was riding his bike and said, Lord, baptize the Holy Ghost. And while he's riding his bike, he started praying in tongues. So just God does all kinds of things. So I want to encourage you. Don't um, feel discouraged if you don't feel discouraged if you haven't started praying in tongues this morning. Go back to your room and say, Lord, I want this. And then next Sunday, we're going to press in to the other gifts. We're going to discover what are the other gifts, how do we operate, how do we use these gifts out in everyday life. So we'll continue that next Sunday. Amen.